Welcome to a Sober Girl's Guide podcast, a lifestyle podcast based on sobriety and recovery. I'm your host and sober girl, Jessica Jabot. Inspired by my own sobriety and wellness journey, I want to spread the wealth of knowledge. Tune in each week for uncensored conversations about mental health, self-development, wellness and spirituality, and how they influence each guest's unique recovery journey. My goal is to educate and inspire and to let you know you are not alone on your recovery journey. Thanks so much for tuning in to a Sober Girls Guide podcast. Let's go! Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 221 of a Sober Girls Guide podcast. On today's episode, we are changing things up a bit. We like to mix it up, and we are talking about a couple things that lead you to drink. So you may be familiar with people pleasing or maybe losing yourself because you put everyone else's needs, wants, lives before your own. Sound familiar? I can relate. And we are talking about the exact opposite, which can be called selfishness. Now, for a lot of us, that feels like a bad word. Jessica Dennehy is here and she is explaining how she is reclaiming power in the word and how it changed her life. This is such a fantastic episode. Let's get into it. Jessica, what is going on? How are you? Hi, I'm so great. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm so excited to talk to you because you're you have a fantastic book coming out and I just freaking love the title of it. Um, Selfish is your superpower. What that like, I love that. I love that. And I was so attracted to you because, you know, like I said earlier in our conversation, after years of coaching and being around women in like trying to change their relationship with alcohol, a major, major common denominator is they're lost. They've lost themselves either to relationships, to children, to certain circumstances, to society in general, you know, um, we've lost ourselves. We've forgotten who we are. We've forgotten to put ourselves first. We completely disregard our own needs and wants. Um, and so a lot of women turn to alcohol or a drink wine, right? It seems so innocent and chill at first until then it becomes habitual and then it becomes the habit become controls you. (laughs) So you, oh my gosh, you came across my email and I'm just like, oh fuck yeah, let's get into this. I need to know more. I need to know Jessica's backstory and how you even came to this like point in your life and how you came to this like realization and what does, you know, being selfish as a superpower, what, what does that even look like? So first and foremost, I would love to hear a little bit background about yourself and how you got to this point. 
All right. Well, thank you for having me, first of all. And I resonate with everything that you said. And that's the main reason why I wrote the book, because as I was going through my own journey, I realized like, I'm not the only one. And maybe if I say it and I allow people the permission to get selfish, we can start to redefine it instead of it meaning something negative. We can Mm. show that if utilized properly, it is a superpower. And so that's really why I wrote this book. And I wanted the title to kind of make you stop and be like, what yeah. is yeah. going to be in there? So I'm glad that it's doing that. I can't oh, wait jarring. to get into it. Jarring. Love it. <laughs> and Love but it. so, but to start to answer your question, I, as a, as a little girl, I dreamed about a few things. One of them was being an author and I thought I would be like a fictional writer. I love to write while all my friends were like, you know, doing silly stuff. I was like, had my nose in a book all the time, always reading, always writing. But eventually I started to think like, you know, I got more logical because that logical side of us, like it takes over real fast. And then that like childlike wonderment dies somewhere along the way. And so I ended up becoming a lawyer and my dream job was to work on Wall Street, which I did for 10 years. And all of a sudden I started to feel like I was hitting kind of a ceiling there where I couldn't really go anywhere that interests me. There were opportunities, but I wasn't really feeling them. And around that same time, my daughter's, my first daughter was born. I now have two. Um, And the first one was born. And you know, that moment, I know a lot of people can relate to this. When you have a kid, your priorities change. And it's like that moment, the things that used to matter a lot seem to pale in comparison to the journey of as a mom and raising another human. And that kind of happened where all of a sudden I was like, but I could go home and feed her dinner or I could sit here at my desk for another two hours. And I started to get that push and pull. So many women get when they become parents. It's like, well, I do. Yeah. I want a career. I want to be successful. I want to like keep fortifying my mind and feel like I'm fulfilled. But like, I also don't want to miss my kids first step. I want to be there. I want to take them to the beach. I want to look in their eyes. I want to cuckoo them to sleep. Right? Like we want all these things, but we're told too bad. You got to choose. And I was determined to not have to choose because I know me and I know I can't stop the drive. But I also started to melt when I had this kid Mm -hmm. in my hands and I opened my first business and it was kind of like an accident. Like I didn't really mean to become a business owner. I meant to continue being a lawyer and help my husband, then husband, Mm-hmm. Um, open up a business. And we opened up this brand of luxury barbershops. And I was just like the wife, like I, I went to my job, I did my thing. I was like helping with, you know, all the bills while he built this business. Yeah. And I started to see him get really lit up about it. And that was the turning point for me because I looked at him yeah. and I saw him lit light up about his job. And I wasn't feeling that for myself. And that was really when my life took a turn. And that's kind of how, you know, the beginning of the story that I tell in my book, because that was for me when I realized like, oh, snap, I'm not as happy as I could be. (laughs) Yeah. Now what? And that is a moment that sucks. It's like, oh, who are you? Well, I'm a mom. Well, I'm a business owner. I'm a lawyer. Yeah. But you're Jessica. Like, who the heck is Jessica? And I couldn't tell you who I was at that point. And that's Whoa. a scary thing to say. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I, that happens to everyone. I think, you know, especially not just like moms. I feel like moms definitely go through that in a really deep, um, 
almost like physical way. Like, like you can, you can almost like see it and, and feel it at the same time. Whereas like, you know, even that transition between your uh, late twenties to like your early thirties, that's another pivotal like moment in your life. And you're like, okay, you know, I'm not a kid, you know, I love Britney Spears song. Like I'm not a girl, not yet a woman. Like what is this weird like limbo? Like how do I even navigate this? And there's so much change and growth and it's natural. It's super normal, natural. We're supposed to evolve. We are supposed to change hands down. Yeah. So what, what happened? Okay. Seeing, so seeing your husband or then husband, um, lit up like that. What did you do? I didn't do anything at first. I mean, I, it's like, you kind of look back on it and you play Monday morning quarterback and you're like, Oh, I see it now. Right. But in the moment, all I felt was angry. Like I was angry at him. I'm like, Oh, how dare you be happy. Right. Which seems so dumb, but it was because I couldn't figure out how to be happy for myself. And if you asked me then who I was, I couldn't define myself anymore. I became my roles. And that's something a lot of parents especially feel, but not, it's not just about parents guys, but like, this is my journey and that's how I experienced this. So I talk about it in those terms, but I know single people, people who've been, who never had kids that feel this way, you know, like it's, Mm -hmm. it's just the way we feel. And so I started getting like agitated about life because I couldn't figure it out for myself. And of course that didn't lead my marriage down a happy road. And I take, I, I like, I talk about it in terms of what I did because now I can look back on it and see my contribution to the downfall of my marriage. Sure. Um, I'm 50% of the marriage and 50% of the problem. So I started just getting angry and that, you know, it, it let us apart. Like he was on this crazy entrepreneur journey. The business was taking off. He was happy. He was excited. I was miserable. That affected mm-hmm. us. And we got divorced a few years after we opened the first business and the business was successful. We were about to open up our second location. Um, I had just left Wall Street to go full time on the business. Yeah. And in the middle of that, we got divorced and that was really the moment where I had no choice but to prioritize myself. And so that was the first time I got selfish because I had to. And I'm yeah. my hope is that people will read this book and not wait until that moment, until they're yeah. poor. <laughs> Don't because- wait for your marriage to fall apart. Like we can do this actively, you know, you don't have to wait. Yeah. Exactly. And I, well, so I ended up, and the the short story is he moved away. He was going through his own stuff and he moved far away. And I was kind of left with these two kids. And now I'm a single mom, two girls, 100% of the time. And I had my own emotions about the thing and I was trying to hold it together. Um, And I thought to myself, like, man, I can keep going down this mediocre road, holding it together and hiding my, my true emotions and just tabling them for the betterment Mm -hmm. of my children. That's what we tell ourselves. But what am I really teaching them then that like living a blah life is okay. Is it like mediocre? Okay. Mediocre happiness. No, that's not what I want. So how can I teach them that they can have whatever they want? I have to go get what I want. I have to find what I want. I have to find who I am. I have to go out and get it and show them with my actions that this is possible because we all know our kids don't listen to us, right? Like they no. watch us. They watch. They watch. <laughs> they watch. If you, you say I mean, you plant seeds, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you, if you say go live a happy life, but you're not, they're going to grow up mimicking your behavior. And that's not really what we intend to happen. So I decided to take control of that 
and start being more selfish and putting myself before them so that I can be happy. And what I found was the more I did that, the happier they got because they were watching me light up. They were watching me go for my dreams. They were watching me go out and do something that made me happy. And so when I came back, I was lit up. I was excited. I was enthusiastic. I wasn't like a crying, miserable mess. And so they got a better mom every single day. Every day that I put myself first, they got a better mom. And that is what motivated me to keep going. And I think that's a part of what most people don't understand. They think they're sacrificing themselves to better their children, but they're really inhibiting their children for the future life that they're going to live. Well, yeah. And then you have that like built up resentment from literally crushing your own dreams, like self-sabotaging your own dreams to please other people. And the, and the intention's right. Like I, I feel yeah. like we all have, we all have the correct intention. Like we want to make yeah. sure our kids feel loved. They want their priority, right? Like we all want to make them feel that, but they yeah. don't want a miserable parent. You know, I mean, I, I remember like this one moment where I had this opportunity to travel um, monthly and I was just like sitting on the floor upstairs outside my bedroom with a suitcase and like, how am I going to do this? Like, they're going to feel abandoned and they're going to think yeah. I hate them and they're not going to want to lead me to leave. And I built this whole narrative up in my head that like me going out and having a career is going to somehow damage my relationship with my children. Mm. And I took a shot on myself and I, in the aftermath of that, and I go through this whole thing in my book, but in the aftermath, what happened was my kids started to take a chance on themselves. They Mm. saw me scared. They saw me worried. They saw me do it anyway. And then they thought, huh, maybe I should give that a whirl. (laughs) Yeah. Like take some chances in their own life. Yeah. That was eye opening. Whoa. I love that. And I love how like honest and raw and transparent, like it sounds like you are with your kids. Instead of just being like glazing over everything, be like, oh yeah, everything's fine. We're good. You know, it's all like flatlined. Like just being honest to a degree. Like, because parents don't have it all figured out. And that's like also part of like, part of all the stress is like trying to look perfect and like putting yourself on a pedestal. And you got to think about it. It's not sustainable. It's not. And I, I had this moment of clarity once where like, Yeah, I had a bad day and I came home. I went and and tried to hide it, right? To go pick them up and be excited for when they came home. And I'm sitting in the kitchen and I'm making them dinner and they're talking to me and I'm like trying to concentrate, but like, I just had a really bad thing happen like at work. And I was like ready to cry on the verge of tears, holding it back. Mm. And my daughter dropped her hamburger on the floor and I just lost it. Like I, I, I sat on the floor and I just started crying, like complete Mm. lunatic crying. And they look at each other and they're like, what the heck is going on? Right. Yeah. And in that moment, I thought, why am I trying to be perfect for them? If I don't show them emotion, they're going to think that that's what they have to do, that they are not allowed to show their emotion. They're not allowed to fail. They're not allowed to have a bad day. They must be perfect because that's what they've seen me do. So I'm just going to tell them what happened. And I just started crying and I told them, I'm sorry, I had a bad day. This is what happened. Blah, 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 right? Like I don't treat them like friends because I'm still the parent. 
but they have to see me fail. They have to see me struggle. They have to see me try and not succeed all the time because then they know it's okay for them to go fail, to go try, to go have a bad day, to go have a moment of crying, right? Like I need to show them that with my actions. Totally. Oh my gosh. I mean, just bottling up emotions in general just doesn't serve anyone across the board. It just, oh, it makes everything so much worse. Okay. So I want to talk about the actual word selfish, because this is kind of like a taboo word, right? Like no one wants to be called selfish. It's been, you know, shone in a very negative light, but how, how do you interpret it? Or how do you kind of, are you redefining what selfish looks like for you? So for me, the word selfish doesn't have to have a negative connotation because it's just like everything else. You have to take stuff in stride. You have to use it as a tool and not abuse it. Yeah. So nothing in a vacuum is bad, right? It's the way that we utilize it that becomes bad. So clearly if you are selfish every single day and all you do is think about yourself, that's not great. No one's saying that's great. This isn't, you know, we're, we're trying to just use it as a tool that we have to prioritize ourselves also. And that's the missing piece is like selfless is such a buzzword. And, you know, people get so angry when I use the word selfish and I'm just like, but if all you do is please everybody else, then where are you at? Right? Like, where's your rest? Where's your happiness? Where's your enjoyment? Guess what guys, if your entire happiness rests on making other people happy, you have zero control over your life, zero Mm -hmm. control because you cannot determine what would make someone else happy because you are not them. There is only one thing on this earth that you can control. And that is your actions and reactions. That's it. That's all you got. Your happiness has to come from you. It can't rely on these external things. And so being selfish means your happiness will come from within. And when you're happy, regardless of what's going on around you, that's when you can be your strongest, most light and bright self. And when you're light and bright, guess what happens to your relationships? Guess what happens to the people who interact with you all the time? They get a piece of that. They get a piece of that happy energy. So to me, I, I don't understand why we wait so long to figure this out, to realize our happiness and our family. Like it starts with us. Like we're the ones paving the way. So selfish to me is a tool. It's a tool that you use to start getting back to the roots of who you are and doing things that make you happy each and every day. That doesn't mean like vacation makes me happy. Let me go every day. But every moment I, I try to find a moment every day where I get to pour into me. So if that's through exercise or meditation, if it's me going to the beach or having time with my friends or taking my daughters out for a yes day, like something that makes me happy, I'm going to do it. Because that's what's a yes day. Tell me about a yes day. Well, ever since the (laughs) yes day movie came out a couple of years ago, it's like basically where the kids get to dictate what happens that day, right? So like I'm supposed to say yes to everything, but there's like rules around it so that it becomes parameters. Yeah. Yeah. Like they have a box to work in. And I think it's a great idea because kids need to feel like they're in control too. You know, like think about as a child. 
your parents just bossing you around and you're just moving wherever you have no autonomy. I'm a big believer in freedom and uh, the freedom to make choices. And so I try to teach my kids that. And selfishness is one of those choices that I think we each should be making every day so that we can be better for the people that we love. It's actually Mm -hmm. selfless at the end of the day. Yeah, definitely. Oh, I I think because society, I mean, I don't know how you grew up, but like I was kind of taught to, to just like just get along with everyone. Like just make nice. Don't be too loud. Don't be too don't be too anything. <laughs> right? Like just just be nice. Like everyone likes a nice girl. Like that is tough. Yeah. <laughs> like growing up, that is like literally stripping away your whole entire personality at the end of the day. The weirdest thing to me about parenting that I struggle with is like teaching your kids to own who they are and be who they are, but also operate in the parameters of society so that they can like create relationships because it's important. And to me, self-awareness is really at the root of that. Like if you know, this is what I do. If someone insults me, I take every piece of information. I kind of try to use it to learn more about myself. So I tell my daughters that if someone says you're too loud, yeah, what are you going to do with that? Because one of my kids is very loud. And so I'm like, you could think about it. Are you in that? Is that true? That's the first thing. Is that true? Sure. If that's not true. All right. Well, then that person's interpretation of you is wrong. You guys don't mix. That's cool. Different strokes, different folks, right? Yep. If it is true, then the second question you ask is, well, is that an asset or a hindrance? Is it something that helps Mm. me grow and achieve and be me? Or is it something holding me back? So if you're too loud, but you're in the middle of a classroom and the teacher's speaking, then that's not a good thing, right? Because you're actually like interfering with everybody there to learn. That's not positive, right? Right, right. If you're too loud because you're excited and something great happened and you're celebrating and someone says you're too loud, well, in that moment, that loud's a good thing. So you're going to keep it, right? So it becomes this like interpretation and this flow, like situationally, is this something good for me or not? Because there are things Mm -hmm. people say about us that are true, but they're also those things might be a positive, might be an asset. So that's kind of what I teach them. I hope that that helps them be who they are, but also, you know, be reasonable and and aware of their surroundings. And I I don't know if it's, I can't tell you if it's working or not. It's just a strategy I use now, but they're little, so we'll see what happens. Stay tuned. To be determined. Yeah. We'll have to check. We'll check in with you in a couple of years. Be like, actually, let's go back to the drawing board or like, yes. Well, I use that strategy on myself. So I feel pretty confident about it, but it takes a certain kind of person, right? Like you got to be pretty secure in who you are in order to, to take um, an insult, so to speak, and use it as, as information and, you know, something that you can maybe, um, help yourself get better with. It takes a big person to do that. So not every little kid can do that. Not every grown up can do that. But well, I yeah, because we strategy. just take it personally automatically. Yeah. Like automatically we just look at it as like, whoa, wait, this is personal. Brr, defense is up. What the hell? As opposed to I like how you uh described it. It's almost like a bird's eye view, like a zooming out 
of the situation, like taking maybe yourself out and your personal feelings and emotions that are entangling in the situation. Yeah. I mean, it's tough. (laughs) It's so, it's so hard, but I think for the most part, like being aware of who I am, what I bring to the table, what Mm. I don't bring to the table has been so powerful in my journey of getting selfish, understanding what I need, understanding what other people need. It it makes my relationships more meaningful. And even though it's really hard sometimes, I think it actually is something most people should try to achieve to some degree because it makes your character stronger and it helps you moving forward. Most of us are craving relationship either with ourselves, with our spouse, with our friends. And we're kind of like, what's the problem? Why can't we have this? Well, e- each relationship in our life has only one thing in common, us. So you got to start looking at yourself, right? Like, yeah, what do you need? Why are you unhappy? So zooming back yeah. out to my marriage, I was a big problem in that marriage because I wasn't happy, but I didn't know that. I wasn't even mm-hmm. aware of my own unhappiness. I was just feeling angst and trying to re- like get someone else to see it. Like, look, I'm angry. Someone help me. Right. Like that's really what I was saying. Um, imagine if I had that self-awareness then how I could have maybe changed the storyline or changed the moment or, you know, improve something. Right. So I think it's important for each of us to take that look at ourselves to the extent that we can. Yeah, absolutely. And it's like that old saying, like you can only really meet someone as deep as you know, yourself right? Like if you don't, if you don't know what makes you happy or unhappy, or even know how to articulate what you're even feeling, I found, I found that one really huge. Like, okay, I'm unsettled. Where, why, what's happening? What is this feeling? Even naming it took a while and it takes a while, right? Like this stuff does not happen overnight. I think that's really key to say, like, this isn't just going to happen. Like, it's not just going to like click like a light switch, you know, how long have you been kind of doing this work or, or building like your self-awareness? Would you say my, this, the part of the journey that I'm describing now with getting selfish really started seven years ago when I got divorced. So this is seven years in the making and right. Like every other journey, it started with one step. (laughs) Right. And the first step was like, who the hell am I? That was hard. It was hard to sit there and realize that I didn't know myself anymore and I wasn't really sure how to start. And so if that's you, because I think a lot of people feel like that, like, well, where do you even start? Yes, It's important to remember that before you were all the titles that you hold now, like before I was a lawyer and a mom and a spouse, I was Jessica and Jessica likes certain things. And so I started to think like, what the heck did I do before I had kids, before I was at work, when I was like in high school and college, I played volleyball. Mm-hmm. And there's something fun about that, right? Like it's fun. It's silly. Like I was in my like early thirties and I'm like, I'm just going to join a volleyball team and see what happens. And it kind of let me like be free again. Like, Oh, remember this girl? Like, oh yeah, she was kind of good at this. Oh yeah, she is good at making friends. She can be social. She can go into a situation and not know anyone and still, you know, have a good time. And it kind of just started like with something physical because physical is easy, right? Mm -hmm. Like tackling the emotional internal stuff. That's scary. That's hard. And most of us can't just dive right into that. 
But what Mm -hmm. I find is like tackling something physical, that's like, you know, something tangible that you can measure and it helps you build confidence. And so for me, that was that volleyball moment. I connected to something I used to like. I pushed myself physically to get out of my comfort zone and I kind of got the ball rolling. Mm, I love that. I love that. And this is like, these are all the things, all the issues that come behind, like come part and parcel with changing your relationship with alcohol, right? It's like finding these things that fill you up as opposed to filling up a wine glass or cocktail or insert anything really Amazon, (laughs) you know, online shopping, all these like knee jerk reactions that are essentially an easy button. Yeah. At the end of the day. Um, Jessica, where can we get your book or where can we pre-order it? And where can we find you? Cause you are fabulous. You're just packed full of like tools and knowledge. I love it. Thank you. I appreciate that. And I wanted to take the readers on a journey about my story, but also give them some tangible things to work with so that they can fit it into whatever journey that they're on. Yeah. Um, so the book's available for pre-sale right now. It's on a bunch of different places. You can find me okay. at jessicadenehy.com. The book's on there. It's on Barnes & Noble where it hit bestseller already on the, the day it was released for pre-sale. What? It's walmart.com. It's on bookshop.org. It's on a bunch of places. Okay. Um, I'm trying to hit New York Times bestseller list. I think I can do it. I think it's a message people really need to hear and can yeah. help a lot of people and be impactful. Totally. So if you guys enjoyed this and would like to go support that mission, I would appreciate it so much. And I always love connecting with my readers and my audience on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook at the Jessica Dunhe. Perfect. You know what it kind of reminds me of? Like using kind of like the taboo word of selfish. Have you ever heard of the book called uh, Why Men Love Bitches? No, but I'm oh, It's such a fabulous book. And it's it's basically, you know, like a, you know, like a very attention getting like uh, hook, right, of, of a title. But essentially what the book is, is teaching women how to uh, create boundaries for themselves and standards mm. and you know, upholding those standards as opposed to just being like, oh yes, I'm available, like whatever, like do whatever you want because I have no say in anything. But you, it's, it's the same kind of like principle as using like the term bitch, which I don't find offensive. Like I'm totally down with calling myself a bitch. <laughs> like go for it, right? Um, but, you know, having having that self-respect and enforcing it and upholding that for yourself so if that makes you a bitch like all day well I think I like I feel (laughs) like there's a lot of books that are like get your power back and be powerful right but like it doesn't deal with the root issue which is most of us don't know who we are anymore because of all the stuff that we've gone through and so that's why I wanted to like zoo I wanted to go extra zoomy on that end and be like let's just get straight down to it and admit that all of us kind of lost ourselves. Cause I think that's a, I think that's a huge part of it. And then we can start getting into that powerful side of us that I I, like, even when someone, if someone calls me that I'm not offended, but I don't get offended by anything for the most part, because I know Mm -hmm. myself, right? Like if you tell me you're a blah, 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 I'm going to know right then and there, if that's true or not true. (laughs) Totally. 
Because I'm doing all the work. And that's like, imagine being able to take someone's power away because you already know yourself so well. There's nothing anyone can say that you don't already know, like, or you won't, Mm. you won't be willing to open your eyes to and work on. Like that's a power move. That is a power move. And I think our happiness, like our happiness is just going to elevate because we're either going to be like, ew, get away from me. I don't, I don't want anything to do with you, your bad energy. Or we're going to be like, oh, damn, let me improve and get happier. Like that's a, right. that's a good win-win situation right there. Yeah. Like, thanks for the tip. Great. I'm going to put that input that and make some changes. Awesome. Yeah. Right. Love it. Love it. Jessica, thank you so, so much for your time and sharing your experience and knowledge with us. This has been such a great conversation. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. I love talking to you and um, I hope we get to meet again. Definitely. Well, we need to check in on, on that theory, on the, that parenting technique. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Let me know what you guys think about that. (laughs) Excellent. How great is Jessica? And I love that she is bringing back selfishness. Being selfish is a superpower. As always, thank you so much for listening. Please make sure to rate, subscribe, leave your feedback about the podcast. And remember that sharing is caring. If you know a friend, family member, loved one who could use the information in this podcast, please make sure to share it with them. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at A Sober Girls Guide and head to asobergirlsguide.com. We got your back at any stage of your booze-free journey from Sober Girls Social Club to individual workbooks and exercises to our group coaching programs. We got you covered. Thank you so much for listening and have a great day.